word. We have to be um, an apologetics. We have to be able to defend the word and stand up for it. And so we're asking you to please uh, do your part in studying um, and making sure that you understand. Now I want to, uh, you to hold me to uh, the task. Uh, I may say something that may not be too right. I want you to be the one to correct me, amen? And so I want to encourage you in this manner. And so we want to encourage you, please, allow God to do his work in your life. And as you receive the, uh, the papers, just focus on the song, the Lord truly is in his holy temple. I'm asking you to dim the room lights, highlight the lights over the choir loft. Amen. As we go through this um, seminar, we're going to be dealing with some powerful messages. Uh, today we are going to be focusing on the ultimate sacrifice. On Wednesday night, we are going to be focusing on the four tabernacles. And I want you to understand, uh, this is no ordinary seminar. Uh, what we see in our world today is uh, a lot of um, uh, hardships that's uh, hitting God's church. And I want you to understand with me that uh, Satan, he is a busy devil. He is trying to wreck homes. He is trying to send viruses and, and all kind of different diseases on our land, that things that we have never heard before in the magnitude that we have never experienced before. And so we see there is a counterfeit kingdom that Satan is trying to establish. Everything that God has done, we see there's a counterfeit. There is a dark kingdom. There is a dark sanctuary. And we're going to be focusing on that. On Thursday, we're going to be talking about the street fighter. Street fighter, and I want you to come and see exactly what it is. Maybe you're going to see a real street fighter as well. And so we invite you to come out. And on Friday night, we're going to be talking about enemy within. Enemy within, and we 
um, come back around to Sabbath where we will be talking about sibling uh, rivals. Now, I want you to take note. Each and every one of you, you have your part in inviting a friend to come out uh, to the nightly meetings. Wednesday night, we'll be starting right on time, right after our um, uh, Wednesday night cafe. And we want to encourage you to bring a friend, register them, register them, take one of these registration sheets or many of them as possible and register them uh, to come out to these meetings. Amen? And so we want to encourage you as well. Um, has you, have you all received a study guide? Okay, we want you to do your part in studying. Uh, if you uh, have your writing instrument, you could fill it out while I go through uh, the meet, this meeting this morning, and, uh, or you could do it afterwards. But we want you to be on task with this. Now, as we prepare ourselves uh, for this uh, meeting this morning, um, I want you to understand, and I want to explain to you a little of what we are doing here. Now, this is a sanctuary as you will see it back then in uh, when Moses crossed the Red Sea. And God told him to uh, set up a, a tabernacle because God wanted to come close to man. He said to set this tabernacle and this will be a, a, a pattern after what is found in heaven. And so we see the tabernacle that is established. Then it had this, which is the altar of sacrifice, where every day... Uh, they had to bring a lamb or a turtle dove um, to, um, to sacrifice on the, 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 the altar of sacrifice. We have the laver that had water. This is for cleansing and washing. And in the, the holy place, we had the seven-branch candle stand. We had the table of shewbread. And we had also the table of incense. And the incense represents the prayers of the saints. And then within the other compartment, we had the holy of holies. This is where the Shekinah glory of God dwell, where the ark of God dwell that has the Ten Commandments. And as we see the, 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 the smoke coming out, of the temple, uh, it comes out of the holy of holies and it fills the place, and the which which symbolizes the presence of God. God wants to be with us, and we're going to be talking about that. Many of us we're going through some problems and trials right now that we ought not to be going through, and we are going through these problems because of our stick, our stiff-necked nature. You know what a stiff neck is? You refuse to turn. You refuse to turn. You're just going in your own way. But God is saying, listen, I am with you. My presence is with you. My Shekinah is with you. And there's no need for us to go through the trials and tribulations that we are going through um, if God is with us. The scripture says, if God is with us, what? Who shall be against us? Some of us, 
We are our own enemy. We are standing in the way of our blessing and we're stubborn. God wants to bless us and we're standing and we're locking ourselves in and God simply wants to bless us. And so as we go through these meetings, this is what we're going to be talking about. We want it to be real, but we want to bring this to life in a modernized way. We want to understand what is happening now. Now I'm dressed up in a priestly garment. I don't have my headdress, but listen, this will do. I'm missing one of these, the, the stones under the Urim Theorem, but listen, it will work. The priest, uh, this was symbolized, this was a, a stone, a, a, a garment that the priest will wear. And whenever uh, a prayer would, um, someone would want to appeal to God to answer uh, their prayer, these very stone will miraculously light up as an indication of answered prayer. And so what we are seeing here that these various um, symbols, uh, instruments, they, they symbolize something and someone, and we are going to be talking about that. And I want you to understand, you may be looking and scratching your head and say, well, what, what on earth is this pastor doing, you know? Uh, this is some ancient stuff that's in the sanctuary. It has a meaning. And the meaning is happening right now. And every single one of us, we are part of it. This whole thing determines our destiny. It determines your health. It determines where you are spiritually, and we are going to be talking about that. As you open your study, guys, I want you to look at the first uh, text that we have here, and that is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. And I want us to repeat this all together, and I think we all should be able to do so. We know it, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. And it says, After this manner, therefore, uh, ye pray, uh, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now what we see in this very, very text, this is a prayer. This is a prayer that we are going through, and in fact, the, the theme for this series came from this prayer, and we're going to be praying this every single night. Jesus says in this whole thing that he wants for the kingdom, thy kingdom come, the, thing, the kingdom of God to come upon this earth. You see, when Jesus prayed, he prayed, and he prayed to his Father, which art in heaven, now, there are many earthly fathers here that will disappoint you. There are many fathers that have reneged their responsibilities. There are many fatherless homes here, right here in this church. Mothers, they're trying to do it on their own. There are many fathers that disappoint us in many different ways, earthly fathers. But there is only one father that we have in heaven, and that is God, our great father. 
He's the creator of heaven and earth. He knows all. He knows you more than you know yourself. There is only one God, only one Father that we have. And I want to encourage you, and I want to introduce him to you over these next few days. And so we see that Jesus begins this prayer in a very interesting way where he says, Our Father, which art in heaven, he tells us where he is, where he lives, where his domain is. But then we see furthermore, it says, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. And when we have to, we understand it's very important. The, very, the name of God is important. Holy and reverent is the name of God. Ancient Jews reverenced God so much that they did not even say his name. There was only the priests, uh, the high priests and certain priests would know the name of God. They would not dare utter his name. And so it was, it, was, it was a mystery. Even at one point, the name, they were wondering, what is the real name of God? They would talk about God, the one who dwells in the temple. They would all have these different names, different side names. But the very name of God, to even say it, it was, it was so reverence. You could not just say it in that, in that way. In our modern age right now, we take the very name of God in vain. We use God loosely. And, and even in some languages, they use the name of God and his church and his temple. They use it as choice swear words. And so God, he will not hold anyone guiltless who take his name in vain. It's very important for us to understand the power of the name of God. We have to understand that. I have seen the power of God, the name of God. You call on the name and demons fled. I've seen people healed just by the mere mention of the name. Jesus, they were healed. Even though it was not originally the name Jesus, as I told you a few weeks ago, it was not the original name Jesus. It was Yeshua. Yeshua. And so we, we got to understand, you know, uh, and we got to get down deep in the word of God and understand truly where it is and where the power is. And so we understand that the name of God needs to be hallowed, holy and reverent is the name of God. The, the Lord says now, Jesus says, thy kingdom come. That means there is something about this that he is praying to his father that his kingdom should come. God wants to live with us, and we're going to learn this this morning. He wants to live with us. God always wants to establish his kingdom among us. God wants to establish his kingdom in you and with you even right now. A place where debts are canceled. A place where people are forgiven. A place where food, shelter, and water is free. A place where we will not be tempted to rebel against God. God is creating this very prayer that God, that Jesus was talking about. He wants to create a kingdom and he was praying about a coming kingdom where all of these things will be. 
And so as we prepare ourselves for this coming kingdom, God, he wants each and every one of us to be there. But guess what? Only those that are, that have a clean hands. Let me see your hands. You washed your hands. Only those that have a clean hands and a pure heart will enter into the kingdom of God. Only those. There is nothing that, that, that is going to be rebellious or nothing that is unclean, nothing that is sinful that will enter into the kingdom of God. Now I want you to understand there is a symbolism of where this very place that I'm walking around here, this place symbolizes the outer court. This place symbolizes the earth. The very earth, when Jesus Christ came, he lived, he died, he was sacrificed, he was crucified, and he resurrected here in this space. And after his resurrection, Jesus entered into the most holy place. And as he entered into the holy place, and I, let me actually, there's a position of entry. Because as he entered into the most holy place, he entered into the most holy place and he prayed for his disciples while his disciples were on earth. And they were praying in the upper room, praying for the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, which the candlestand represents. He sent the Holy Spirit down there and poured himself out upon his people, beginning the church. Now I want you to understand that Jesus was always and has always been intimately involved in what is happening here on earth. But guess what? That was in the apostolic days. But Jesus, the, he, has, he has still made the fire of the Holy Spirit available to us. And we can receive the fresh anointing anytime. And so these land, the, the candlestand represents the Holy Spirit. One of the representation is the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the church. And as, so as Jesus lived in the earth, he came forth in the heaven. And Jesus, for approximately 1260 years, he ministered in the, the sanctuary, in the first compartment of the sanctuary. But in 1844, and we're going to be talking about that, he entered into the most holy place. And in entering the holy place, he is making intercession for you and me. Every prayer that is sent up this morning, Jesus interceded for you. This is why I love that text so dearly that found in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 because it says we do not know what we ought to pray for, but it is the Holy Spirit that intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So when Jesus came up, the Holy Spirit came down. When Jesus came up and stepped out into, the, into this holy place, he sent the Holy Spirit, according to John chapter 14, he sent the Holy Spirit down with power and might to the people of God to empower us. And so when we study this and understand Jesus is doing something right now in the real, the heavenly sanctuary that all of these things are patterned of, he is doing something in heaven 
And he's doing it for every single one of us. Not just the members of Abundant Life. Not just the members of the Mountain View Church. Not just the members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He is doing it for each and every one of us as human beings. And anyone that stands and accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he fills you with his Holy Spirit. Amen. And he encourages you on, your, on the way. And so we want to encourage you in this manner to understand what Jesus is doing in heaven right now for each and every one of us. Aren't you excited, everybody? I don't know about you, but I know God has great plans in store for each and every one of us. Now, I want you to understand here that earthly kingdom, kingdom have an expiry date. Every kingdom. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of Babylon. It has expired. We're going to talk about the kingdom of Medes and the Persians. They have expired. We're going to talk about the kingdom of Greece. It has expired. We're going to talk about the Roman kingdom. It has expired as well. And all of these kingdoms had kings and rulers that thought they were going to rule forever. But there's an expiration date to every single kingdom. There was an expiration date on Russia, the great mighty superpower. And guess what? patriotic folks, there's an expiration date on the kingdom of America. The United States will, will not always be the strongest kingdom on earth. There is an expiration date on the kingdom of United States. Because I'm telling you, as I read in my Bible in Daniel chapter 2, there is a kingdom that is coming and is going to be established. And it's told that there is a rock that is going to be cut out from the mountain of God and it's going to come down and it is going to hit the image and it is going to crush all the kingdoms of the world and it's going to fill the whole world. And it will rule forever. And that is the kingdom of God. Amen. Thy kingdom come. He is coming back again. And so, as we open here, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will touch every one of us, prepare our hearts and our minds for what we will receive. Hide me, Father. I'm a mere mortal trying to explain your divine things. Please, Lord, step in and lead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What is the ultimate purpose for God, of God for humanity? When we think about it, what is all of this anyways? Why do we come to church? Why am I up here preaching? Why is there Bible workers out in the streets um, trying to get Bible studies and tell people about God and his love? Why is this? Why do you tell people and represent God in your job at home, you're in your neighborhood? What's the point? Why do we live this such a righteous life and not out there on the strip gambling and doing all of these things? Or all of these things? Why aren't we out there? But why are we in here? What is the purpose of all of this? What, what, is, God, what is God's ultimate plan for us, 
the ultimate purpose for God for humanity. We see here and understand that the very text tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It tells us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of God. Are you ashamed of the gospel of God? I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God. I want you to say the power of God. The power of God, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, at first, and also to the Greek, to the Gentiles. So God is telling us there is something here. It is the power of God unto salvation. There is something that God is set up for us because he wants to save us. The ultimate purpose that God has for us is salvation to every single one of us. He wants to bring salvation to your house. He wants to bring salvation to you. He wants you to know that he loves you so much that Jesus stepped out of the kingdom. He stepped out of his throne, on his throne. He stepped out and he came in search of you and me because we were lost. And so Jesus took off his fancy robe because Jesus truly, he is the true high priest as we're going to learn. He took all of that off and he came and put on our rags. And he came searching for each and every one of us. He came searching for the sinful man, sinful woman to help us to know that there is a God that loves us so much. We see in the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 10. And 11, it says, Be it known unto all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here as this man was healed. This is the stone which was set at naught of the builder, uh, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other way to be saved. You cannot go to a doctor and take uh, an immortality pill and live forever. And doctors are good, praise God. Yeah, they try to do their job. But let me tell you, they can't give you anything for you to cheat death. It ultimately will come. And so Jesus is, is the only one that brings salvation. Neither is there salvation by any other. For there is none under, there is no other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. It is only by Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the only way to salvation. And so the purpose that God has for us, for humanity, is to save us. He wants to save each and every one of us. And guess what? He will always work out some way to be saved. But guess what? Man, we are so stubborn that we try to get unsaved. You know what I mean? You accept the Lord as your personal Lord. I remember one lady, I baptized her, I think, five times. Five times. And, and, and she had some serious issues, right? But in her own mind, she was unsaving herself. Because whenever that temptation came, she just fell. 
and she just wilded out and left the church for a year or a couple of months and everything. And we will study with her and she came back for three years. And then she will go back and back and forth, back and forth. You know, and, and the elders gather together and they say, Pastor, I, I think there's a problem here, you know. I, I said, I know there's a problem. But her journey is not our journey. Every single one of us have a journey. Let me let you know. Uh, there are individuals that need to be baptized seven times. I don't care how many times, but as long as when Jesus Christ comes, you'll get there. That's all that counts. That's all that counts. I'm not, I can't save anybody. Salvation comes through only Jesus Christ. I know sometimes as a church, we, we try to legislate things and try to determine someone's destiny. It's none of our business. It's only God's business. Amen? God is the only one that can save. He is the one that decides. My grandmother always tell me, there will be surprise in heaven. Some of the people that you scoff at and say, ah, that person, that woman, that man, that boy, wretched, they can't make it. When you enter heaven for the first time, how did you get there? Right? You don't know. It's God's business. What did, what did the people have to bring to atone for their sins? Now, I want you to understand with me as we think with um, this, the people, whenever they met at the, the, the temple, they had to do something on a daily basis. After this manner, it says in Numbers chapter 8, verse 25, after this manner, he shall offer uh, daily, he shall, he shall offer daily throughout seven days the meat of the sacrifice made by fire and of sweet savor unto the Lord, and it shall be offered beside the continual burnt offering and his drink offering on the seventh day. He shall have a holy convocation, and he shall do no servile work. And so these people, on a daily basis, they had to atone for their sins. Now, when was the last time you sacrificed an animal? When was the last time you sacrificed an If you did, please don't put your hand up. <laughs> or else I am sworn by law to point you out and you'll be locked up. <laughs> right? <laughs> but let me let you know, right? Uh, it, was, it was the norm that um, a sinner will bring a lamb, a bull, and it will depend on the sin. A greater sin, you bring a bull. Little sin, turtle dove. Right? But they brought, uh, they would bring a lamb, ideally. And they'll bring that lamb, and, and they had to take the knife, and, and, and the knife, and cut the lamb. Now, many individuals did this not understanding the true import of it, to not understanding that this lamb represented Jesus Christ. Represented Jesus Christ that would take the sins of the entire world. This is why we have individuals today, they're confused with this theology and they continue with the feast days. They continue with this idea of keeping the feast days, not understanding that the Jesus, the eternal sacrifice, he was sacrificed for everyone. And so we don't have to go through these rituals anymore. 
Now, interestingly, on Thursday was the Day of Atonement. It's a day when uh, everyone had to, the sins of all Israel had to be atoned. And I remember I was calling around and I was trying to get some materials for the sanctuary. And, and I got a call and it linked me all the way to Israel. All the way to Israel. And I was, I'm, ta I'm talking to someone in Israel. He said, yes, sir. What can I do? And I told him what I want, and he says, listen, the Day of Atonement is upon us, and everything is shut down. Everything is shut down. We can't get you anything. And I thought to myself that here we have thousands, millions of people going through the rituals of this atonement. They're going through the atonement by a mere priest, a human priest, when the real divine priest came, he atoned on the, on, the, on the altar. He was killed. He was sacrificed. Jesus Christ resurrected and is in heaven interceding even for them. The very ones that's going through that with these rituals, he's atoning. He's, he has atoned. He has wrapped it up. <coughs> And he has said, no more. You don't have to bring lambs and bullocks and all of these things anymore. I have done it all in me. But when, <coughs> when we recognize, when we miss that boat, which is Jesus Christ, when we miss that the Messiah, which is Jesus Christ, it brings confusion in this world. It brings confusion. So a lot of people now, they are celebrating there was a, a man that called me up and he says well yes the the day of atonement is up on me and everything I, and i want to atone for my sins i want to ask for forgiveness for so and so and i said don't worry brother it's forgiven jesus christ is in heaven our high priest and don't worry we've prayed i've prayed for you my heart is clear don't worry it's all done you don't have to wait for the day of atonement we have a high priest we don't have, you don't have to come to me to confess your sins. Amen. And I know a lot of you all come and say, Pastor, you know, I have done, I said, yes, let's pray to our God together. Amen. Let's seek him. You don't have to come to the church to atone. You could do it from your bedroom. Amen. Or your bathroom. Amen. Whatever is comfortable. We serve a God. His GPS system works anywhere. Even in the mountains of Utah, it works. And I want you to understand that you don't have to come to a mere man. If you are Catholic or if you are Anglican, you don't have to go to a man to atone for your sins. The atonement, straight to Jesus Christ straight to him and guess what jesus gave you even the great divine comforter the holy spirit is here right now right now interceding for every single one of us i thank you very much sister thank you you heard my cough <laughs> and you responded thank you and so folks as i wind this down and i, I want you to understand what this is all about 
We see there in, in, the book, in the book of Leviticus chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sins which he had sinned. And a female from the flock and a lamb or a kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sins. The priest made the atonement. But if he be not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring for his trespass, which he had committed two turtle doves, uh, uh, two young pigeons, unto the Lord, one for the sin offering and the other for burnt offering. And so what we have to understand now, this is no more. No priest intercedes for you as a mere man. We intercede. Jesus is our great intercessor. Now, God, he so desire to dwell among us. And I want you to understand in this whole idea, the purpose of the sanctuary, it is because God, he designed and desired to dwell among us. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, it says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God wants to dwell among them. In, verse, in Exodus chapter 29, verse 46, it says, And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. But I like this. In Psalm 68, check this out. It says, Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for rebellious, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Blessed be the Lord who dwells, who, who daily uh, loadeth us with benefits. Daily the Lord gives us benefits. You know one of the benefits I'm seeing right now among you, even though some of you might be sleeping? The benefit of life. Amen. Let me see those of you that are alive. Amen. You may not be well, but you're alive. Amen. God has given you the benefit of life. And we praise God for that. He has given us these benefits. Even the God of our salvation. He is the God of our salvation. No one else. He is the God of, our, of salvation. And when we read in Revelation chapter 7. We see here God is redeeming his people. And God, he says that there is a, 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 a great number of individuals that no man could number. We can't even number it. And these people will come out of every kindred, uh, people, and tongue. And they are going to all stand before God. And one of these individuals in heaven, they were saying unto him, Sir... You know, it said, they're asked the question, who are these individuals arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And he said unto him, sir, thou knowest. And, and he said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation. You're going through tribulation? God is telling you you're going to come out of it. Amen? Amen. If you stick with him, 
He's going to lead you out of it. Don't jump ship. Stick with God. Amen? He's going to bring you out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell with them. God desired to dwell with us. This is why he made that tabernacle in Israel so that his Shekinah glory of God will be there residing in the tabernacle and he shall dwell with them. Amen? And so God, his desire and his design is to dwell with us. But one of the things that you, don't you may not understand, that God is such a high-tech God, he has even made this tabernacle miniature. And he has planted this tabernacle, guess where? In your heart. In your heart. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, God tells us that our body is the temple of God. God wants to dwell in you. He wants us to be living and moving epistles around. He wants to point out and say, that is my temple. That is my tabernacle. That is where I dwell. God wants to live in your heart. Amen? And so we don't have to come to a temple and bow and all. Hey, listen, God is with you. And if he's with you, what are you to be afraid of? As we know that Jesus, Jesus came down. And he came down to be the bread of heaven. And as we see in John chapter 6, verse 33, it tells us, as we are preparing ourselves to partake of the bread, as we are uh, preparing ourselves to partake of the bread of heaven, Jesus says that he is the bread of heaven. In verse 33, it says, For the bread, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth, giveth life, life unto this world. The bread of heaven is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hungry. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. How many of you guys are hungry? Jesus said, I'm going to satisfy your hunger. If you're thirsty, I'm going to satisfy your thirst. In John chapter 6, verse 51 and 52, as we prepare, as the elders come together, it says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that, I, that, that a man may eat thereof and, and not die. This bread, when you eat of this bread, guess what? It gives you eternal life. It is for this cause, this bread, as told us in, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 15. Come right in. It's here. You have here. As, as it tells you that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it tells us in one moment our bodies, these vile bodies, if we stick with God, shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. How many of us want to live forever? If we want to live forever, we have to take off this bread. We have to drink of this wine. 
We have to ingest. We have to allow God to do his work in our life. And so this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat of and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Amen? Amen. Now you should be happy for that. Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. He shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of this world. And so Jesus wants each and every one of us to live forever. We don't have to continue living in a wayward manner. It is important for us to live for Jesus, allowing him to do what only he can do for us, offering us eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23, the scripture reads, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Can we please bow our heads? Holy Father, the broken body of thy dear Son, whom we have accepted as our Lord and Savior, is what we need for deliverance from sin, to be perfectly made whole. Lord, as we partake of this bread, may fulfill every need that we have spiritually, mentally, and physically. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 As we prepare ourselves to take the bread, this bread represents Jesus Christ. We do not, as other religions and other, as others teach, we do not believe that in the act of eating this bread, that it actually turns into the actual body of Jesus Christ. Let me make that clear. This is a symbol of the body of Christ, and Jesus said it so, as we just read. He said it so, that in each of us, as we meet, as often as we meet, and we do this once a quarter, as often as we meet, we take the, the body of Christ, the bread, which represents the body of Christ, and as a solidarity that we are connected with him. We want to be filled up with Jesus Christ. We want to have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so we take the bread. And so uh, we practice open communion. That means that you do not have to be a baptized believer. You don't have to be a believer from this church. Um, everyone is open to take the bread. Jesus is just a God like that. He does not restrict anyone. And so at this time, we will have the serving of the bread.
that you take today if you remember Jesus on that very night where he got his disciples together after washing their feet they had supper and the bread didn't quite look like the bread that you have right now and that you are receiving you may serve didn't quite look like what you're receiving, but let me let you know that this bread was more of a whole piece. And everyone took, they tore a piece, some bigger than others, but they all, all the 12, received of what the Lord had. And Jesus says that this bread represents me as you eat this bread, this bread, you're eating me. You're, you're eating and taking off me. You're taking off my character, taking off my likeness. I am the creator. I'm the one that created heaven and earth. And as you take off me, I will help you to be what you ought to be in me. And so the disciples took off the bread. But as they were eating, we understand that uh, there were uh, some disciples were, that were not on the same, they were not on the same wavelength because there was a deceiver among them. And he took off that bread and he ate off that bread in an unworthy manner. It is God's will that as we take this bread, that we eat this bread prayerfully, confessing our sins to God, asking God for cleansing. We want God to do what he does best in renewing and restoring a right spirit, a relationship with each and every one of us. And as you have reflected over the last three months since you have taken this bread, some of us, we have gone through trials and tribulations and all of the. Some of us have done things that we ought not to do. This is the time that God has given us that we can come to him with a clean heart, with cleansing that only he can give. Amen? Amen. And so as we take these emblems, these emblems, they represent Jesus Christ. As we take this and as we are about to, as we are about to receive them, come forward, as we are about to receive these emblems, I want you to eat these emblems in a prayerful manner, allowing God to restore in you a right relationship with him. God is in the restoration business. Some of you came to church here 
and you haven't been here for years, but you're here. You're making a comeback. And God is so well pleased that you're here celebrating communion with us. Amen? And so as, as you take of this bread, eat it. As we corporately eat it together, we're going to eat it in a prayerful manner. Allowing the great high priest, Jesus Christ, to do the work that he has started in you. Have all been served? Everyone been served? Everyone served? Did I see a hand? Okay, great. Let's come right in. This is the body, represents the body of Jesus Christ. Let us eat this in a prayerful manner. Let's close our eyes and pray. Amen. And we see that Jesus, in full fellowship, Jesus, he not only presented his body, but he also presented the blood. The priest will come, and he will see the, the sinner cutting the lamb. He will collect the very blood, and he will take the blood and he will sprinkle it on the instruments in the sanctuary, which is a 
a form of intercession that it is only by the spilling of the blood of blood is remission of sins but this blood represented the blood of Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ bled out on the cross he bled for each and every one of us and we see further in John chapter 6 verse 53 and 56 it says then Jesus said verily verily I say unto you except he eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood he have no life in you now some of you are saying morbid drink blood well this is a symbol taking on Jesus Christ whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up in the last days how many of us want to be raised up listen I want to be raised up if I'm dead I want to be resurrected if I'm alive I want to ascend right and Jesus promises that listen if you stick with me I'm gonna make sure that you're gonna defy gravity for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him Jesus wants to live in you and he wants you to live in him isn't that powerful furthermore in Ephesians it tells us in whom we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace much more than being now justified Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says much more being then being justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath to come there is a wrath that is going to come on this earth and Jesus is promised that you will be saved you know why because he's going to cover you he's going to shelter you he's going to make sure that you will be saved amen praise the Lord amen and so as we think of this now Jesus gave them the bread and they all tore off pieces of the bread and they ate then he took the cup and it was one cup it was a big enough cup that 12 men could drink nicely from you know when I say nicely they it was a bellyful drink right they all drank from the cup and they passed the cup around and he says this is the cup of the New Testament and as Elder Brown reads and prays we will see exactly what he said the Amplified Bible says simply when supper was ended he took the cup also saying this cup is the New Testament cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood do this as often as you drink it to call me affectionately to remembrance for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again let us pray father we are so thankful thankful Lord for the provisions that you've made in the blood what can wash away our sins hmm. 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we are so grateful, Lord, for this blood that we will take, Lord, in the form of wine that reminds us and represents the cleansing that you've done for us. We ask, Lord, that you will take this emblems of wine that we will consume. And Lord, through it, Lord, that you will purify us, cover us in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 In the same token, everyone is permitted to drink of this unfermented grape juice. Oh, please join us. And so everyone is allowed to, this is not real wine. So for parents and visitors, we do not serve real, real wine here. This is simply grape juice, unfermented wine. The same token, this wine represents the blood of Jesus Christ spilt on Calvary's cross for each and every one of us. As you are receiving this, you're receiving off the symbol of Jesus' blood. Please proceed. God is indeed a wonderful God. Three months ago, three months ago, you had an opportunity to take of these emblems, praying even for another three months. And God has granted us these months. And here we are, church, praising God yet again as we partake of his blood. As you drink of this, this symbolizes the cleansing, the washing, the regeneration that Jesus wants in each and every one of us. God wants to renew us. He wants to restore us. He wants to revive us. And as we take off this, this is all it is. You know, when we take off Jesus Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to do his job in restoring and reviving our lives, you know, great things are in store. You know, so many of us are living life on the edge when God just wants to pull us in 
and wants us to experience true fellowship, wonderful fellowship. And so as we drink of this wine, this wine is, is, is one that um, will refresh you spiritually, mentally, and physically. And this is the kind of awesome God that we serve. Amen? Amen. And so church, you know, it's very important for us to understand we cannot continue to live a, as a part-time Christian. You know what a part-time Christian is, right? Someone who checks in on Sabbath, present, I'm here, you know, and you could come forward. Uh, but you check out immediately after you leave. You leave. God. You turn your back on him. God wants us to be full-time Christians. Amen? Experiencing the blessing, the cleansing that this will offer us through Jesus Christ. And additionally, as we prepare to drink this wine, we want you to drink this in a prayerful manner. Understanding the restoration that only God can give. Amen. indeed a solemn moment a moment to remember a moment when this ancient ritual was merged with our modern traditions and as we see the meaning of this we see that Jesus Christ he is fully represented here in this have all been served all right please proceed
Please be seated. This represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we drink this, let us drink this in a prayerful manner, confessing our sins, asking God to renew a right relationship within us. Let us pray. Praise God. Keep these as your souvenir. <laughs> you could write it, decorate it. You came to communion service on October the 4th, 2014, and you were cleansed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. And as we come to the conclusion of this service, in your study guide, we have some additional information for you in for your studies and as we journey together you understand that this tabernacle was used in this fashion um, for sacrifices and this they had the daily sacrifice they had the sabbath day offerings and the new moon offerings and the feasts of the trumpets on the seventh moon and um, we see that these various sacrifices, they were done. They were done throughout the cycle of the year, from the Feast of Passover to the Feast of Leaven, Pentecost, and the Day of Atonement, and the last one, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, we want to encourage you all to study, read. If you, need, if you have any questions, come and see me. We will be so happy to, to answer your questions. But as we prepare ourselves for this coming Wednesday night, we are going to be uh, focusing on the four tabernacles. And you will see exactly, especially that last tabernacle, what God has in store for each and every one of us. And guess what? Every single one of our names are involved. And I want to show you how that works out. But we are so happy in the Lord that what God has done for us, that he has made a sanctuary to dwell among us. But he has not just left it so. He has made a provision that the sanctuary be installed in a portable way in each and every one of us. And so we pray to God that God will so help us to understand and to apply this in our lives. That we will receive the, the true power the true power that God has in store for us. Because indeed, God is in his holy temple. And when God is in his temple, we need to reverence him. We need to allow him to do what he only can do for us. And so when God is in the temple, when God is in you, 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 know, you need not to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid of the enemy. You don't have to be afraid of your frenemy. You don't have to be afraid of anything because God is there. He will provide for you. Those of you that's looking for a job, God will provide. If you're faithful to God, he will be faithful to you. Those of you that's looking for a spouse, as Elder Muldrow prayed before, yes, God will send that spouse running along 
right? He will send that spouse to 24 hour fitness just for you. <laughs> he will even send that spouse to church for you. That's the kind of God that we serve. Now, I know some of you are scoffing and say, God isn't, he's, he doesn't answer such prayer. I rebuke you, he does. He answers our prayers because he loves us. As the song that we sang at the beginning, he came from heaven to earth to show us the way. And I believe God has a way for us. You may be sick and afflicted. God wants to step into your reality. He loves you so much. He has come and he has installed his sanctuary. He wants to install it in you. That's the kind of glory of God as it comes and it fills the sanctuary. He wants to fill you. He wants you to make a difference for him. And so we want to invite